Hey everybody, I'm Jill. And this is Mel. And this is Mel and Jill Geek Out. Hey Mel. Hey. So, it's not like we've been talking for like 45 minutes. I was just going to say, I was like, for our lovely audience, we uh, went down a massive rabbit hole to the point where 45 minutes into the conversation, we decided we should probably just hit stop and start over. So um, eventually, maybe... There will be soonish. Soonish, there will be some bonus episodes called Mel and called Mel and Jill digress um, for your listening pleasure, which basically is just Jill and Mel go down a rabbit hole and talk for forty five <laughs> minutes about insanely random stuff. Yeah, just it, it's a preview into what Mel and Jill actually talk about on a day to day basis. <laughs> I was these are like our morning conversations. <laughs> yeah, we talk every single day on our commutes to work because we commute at the same time, mm-hmm. and so we have very off the wall convos. Yeah, about j- pretty much everything. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. Pretty much everything. Yeah. So we have to get into Frost and Starlight, but do you have anything you want to chat about before we do that? We did talk for 45 minutes, so I don't know how much you might have left. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> um, not a ton. I mean, I will say this. So Mark has been watching Harry Potter, which you would think being as big of a Harry Potter fan as I am, that this man would have seen these movies already. And and yes, he has, because they play in our house, con- like, all the time. Like, they're just kind of, like, mm-hmm. on in the background. If I don't know what to put on, that's what's getting put on. Um, but he admitted to me the other day he'd never actually, like, watched them and paid attention. So... <laughs> Okay, I have a couple of questions. Go ahead. Number one, how do you never at his age, like, watch one Harry Potter movie? I mean, he has watched them. But he's not paid attention. There's a difference. Yeah. Yeah. There's a difference. Two, what is your go-to Harry Potter movie to put on? Ooh, that's a good question. I'm gonna, She's thinking. I am. Sorry. I should put the little... Doo, 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 doo. The, what is that? The Jeopardy soundtrack? Yes. The um, Jeopardy final question. I love that show. I could never do it because I can never remember to say the question bit. What is? I can't do it. Um, no. I would have to say probably Order of the Phoenix or um, Half-Blood Prince. Interesting. <laughs> Why do you say that? <laughs> Angsty Harry plus The Death of Dumbledore are your go-to comfort movies. Listen, I no, okay. Yes. 
Yes. However, I'm also one of those people, like, if I want to go to sleep, like, if I'm tired or feeling sick or it's raining out and I'm just like, oh, I just want to snuggle up in bed and just kind of, like, chill. Um, I watch Forensic Files. So, like, that's that's a cakewalk. Are you kidding me? <laughs> like, I fall asleep to what friends I okay I never like okay before you flip out shit I hit my microphone it's probably gonna wobble um I I don't dislike friends but I've never been like a friends fan like I'll watch the show it's interesting it's funny but like I'm not one of those people. I I don't think I've ever watched all the episodes. So I wouldn't necessarily call myself like a Friends fan. It is just a show that I can listen to and nothing like serious ever really happens. Like two or three serious things happen in the entirety of the show. So it is an easy show for me to like listen to and tune out and like fall asleep to. I don't watch it any other time other than going to sleep. Okay. If I was going to categorize a show like that, I would say for me, that would be, I have a few. (laughs) It goes in, it goes in waves. So at the moment, it's the Last Kingdom. I I which is a ter- kind of a terrible choice, only because the intro song has a woman who like it's not a scream, but it kind of sounds like a scream. It's like a very <laughs> pitchy noise. <laughs> so when the episodes play, you hear it, and it's like, oh, okay, but um. The Office and Parks and Rec would be yeah. shows that I would throw into that category. When I, in that time in which Friends transitioned from Netflix to HBO, which is now Max, which is who knows what name it'll have in the future, my show I fell asleep to was How I Met Your Mother. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Him, like, him. That one I feel like has some more serious stuff to it sometimes. So sometimes I, I didn't love the way that it ended though. I, so what's funny is when I do friends, I don't, once Emma's born, I restart. I don't even know who Emma is. Emma is Rachel and Ross's baby. I thought that's when the show ended. Nope. There's a whole other season after that. Shut up, Really? Didn't even know that. Mm-hmm. You know what is like burned into my brain though? Jennifer Aniston in, I want to say it was like the Thanksgiving episode or something like that. She was in this outfit. It was like a skirt with boots and like a gray top. And it's like, I can't describe it, but it's burned in my brain. Mm. I don't yeah. know why. Like, the fashion honestly wasn't 
Like some of it wasn't great, but like some of it actually like kind of holds up. That are that outfit, I would argue, would be one that would hold up. Yeah, there's some stuff that that holds up for sure. Yes, definitely. Ooh, uh, Big Bang Theory is another one I would throw in that. Yeah, but I don't know. I don't fall asleep as much as Big Bang Theory, but I do rewatch Big Big Bang Theory a lot because I love that show. My dad is a big fan and played it a lot. And then the kids and Mark started watching it recently again. So it's funny, but like the fucking Sheldon is hilarious. Like maybe I'm just weird, but like the older I get, the more I identify with Sheldon. (laughs) I have a spot on the couch. It's my spot. It is my spot. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, sorry, my mic randomly fell over. Uh Um, So if you hear the weird thump, that's what that was. Um, Yeah, I, I, I kind of technically have a spot, but like, I, I don't really identify with Sheldon, but I, I identify with like later seasons. Leonard, who like Leonard when he like stops being so neurotic. Okay. I don't know if I know this show well enough to like spot that shift, but like after he and Penny get married. Oh, okay. Got it. Got it. Yes. Okay. Where he's like a little bit more comfortable in his own skin. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. I'm just weird. So I'm not judging. <laughs> All right. Do you want to dive into Frost and Starlight and go into the happy land of Hallmark movie time, but with our best friends, aka the characters of Akatsif, Akatar? I mean, yeah. You're going to begrudgingly go down this road with me. I'm going to go down the begrudgingly road. <laughs> even how that sentence would work i know it that's how it came out though we're gonna go with it we're gonna go with it so we left off with chapter six at going into chapter six and this is the very first chapter we've ever had from moore's perspective I think that's going to be important as we look into the future of where the new Akatar books are going to land. So this is uh, Feyre and Reese and more all going down into the Hewn City. And uh, it's pretty clear more hates the Hewn City, even though she's technically responsible for it. That's kind of like her responsibility is the third in Reese's command is to babysit the Court of Nightmares. Um, And she recalls some of the moments of when she was supposed to have married Eris and then she slept with Cassian. And then she, uh, her father literally drove nails through her stomach and then dumped her at the border of the Autumn Court. And... In the memory, Moore does recall something that I think is kind of important. And it was Eris telling his brothers not to touch her. And the moment that they do, she is 
their responsibility. We, okay. So when we read this, we, or when I read this, we talked about it because you did, you wrote a theory. I did. Do you want to say the theory? So my theory is that there is more to this story than more is capable of remembering or that she's choosing to remember. I feel like him being like, don't touch her or she will become that. That isn't a malicious thing he is trying to say. I think he knows he knew that um, maybe, you know, her friends from the night court were coming, um, whether it was Reese or Cassian or Asriel, somebody was coming to find her. Somebody would come help her. And that there's some kind of weird Fey law that if they intervened, they wouldn't have been able to let her go back to the night court. Um, we, I don't think we know enough of this, of what's actually going on. And there's some things that I don't think more is the most reliable narrator when it comes to this moment. So I have this sneaking suspicion that Eris is better than what we're being presented for him to be. And another moment that I think points to that is, I don't remember if it's in this book or if it was in Akawar or if it's something that's said during uh, silver flame, but he says something along the lines to more of, I wouldn't have forced you meaning like he wouldn't have forced her to marry him. He wouldn't have forced her to sleep with him. We don't really know because we don't have enough context, but I, I think we're getting set up for Eris to not nearly be as evil as he might be being perceived to be by the inner circle. I a thousand percent agree. Genuinely like from the jump. And I don't know if it's just like the way Sarah J. Mass wrote him or something, but like, I don't know. Like he doesn't come off as evil. It's like Reese genuinely. Like, do you remember when, when I was meeting Resand, I was like, you kept trying to tell me like, no, no, he's a bad dude. Don't like whatever. And I know you were fully trying to like red herring me and I get it. But at the same time, I very much, I was like, no, 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 no. I get this feeling that he is not who like everybody's presenting him to be. I don't see it. And I get the exact same feeling with Eris. I hope I'm not wrong. I hope I don't eat my words later, but that's how I feel about Eris. I'm like, there's something else there. Like it's like Jurian as well. You know, it's, you get, you get one point of view and then it kind of turns out it's like, Oh, that's not exactly what's happening. So, I just feel like Eris falls into this court. Um, yeah, I agree with you like a thousand percent here. Yeah, I think another big point of this is at one point, I think it's Feyre is talking to Eris about Lucian in particular. And she mentions, you know, obviously Lucian is Feyre's very good friend. And so she's sort of defending Lucian and, and call, trying to call Eris out. And Eris makes this statement of like, how do you think when, when everything went down with Lucian and uh, just not just Menda, but his, you know, his first love um, who was killed. He's like, who do you think helped him get to 
the Supreme Court. Yeah. It was Eris. So I think that there's a lot more to Eris than meets the eye. Definitely. And that has been revealed yet on page. So I'm definitely thinking that Eris is going to be this morally gray, very complex character in the way that Reese is. But aren't they all morally gray and complex? Like, no, I'm do- I'm I like joking. I know most they're of not them all morally gray. gray. I'm, I'm making a joke here. Like everybody loves the morally gray characters. Like, oh yeah. Do you want like? one of my most unhinged like it could happen theories let's hear it that Asriel is also bisexual mm-hmm. and he and Eris end up together I don't know where that comes from there's not a lot of evidence for it. No. I just think it would be super interesting if it did. I mean, it would be super interesting, but I'm going to put that not more in the theory and in more of the, like, wish category. Yeah, it, I, it's not really a theory. It's like a, what if? Ooh, this would be cool. <laughs> like, what if? Because here's the thing. All we know is that Azriel's mate has been introduced on page. We don't have anything beyond that. I don't know. So who says a meat couldn't be a same sex person? I'm not. I would make that argument for more. Oh, fair. Like, I don't think there's any issue with the meat being the same sex. I think where like with when it comes to as the I find it really hard to believe it's anybody but Elaine. Only because, like, every, like, everyone in the SJM universe has this weird fucking feeling with their mates, right? And he doesn't have that with anybody. That How we, do you know? Because okay. we've never had an Azrael perspective. I knew you were going to say that as soon as you opened your mouth. What evidence we have on paper, there is, there's nothing there that fits that. Like, I just don't see, like, it's, except Elaine, except Elaine, because he has that feeling for more, but we've already established that isn't happening. Gwen, like, I can see your face. What? Gwen, Gwen. What do you mean, Gwen? Gwen is the only other person Azrael has significant connection to that is a people can make arguments for being his mate is Gwen because he rescues Gwen and then if you read the bonus chapter for Silver Flame he gives the necklace to Gwen he has some amount of connection with Gwen and you get a lot of that in Silver Flame Okay, but we're not in Silver Flame. I'm just saying. You're not wrong. I did forget about her. You're not wrong. But I think at this point in the story, there's nobody else. Yeah, I don't... 
maybe I am an outliner outlier here, but like, I don't think it's, I don't think his mate is Elaine and I don't think his mate is Gwen. Well then who? So yes. So during this little visit to the Hewn city, we also learn that Tamlin is doing fuck all <laughs> in the spring court and Baron, AKA Eris's daddy is having to sort of take care of everything. Ew. Why are you ewing that? Aren't we talking about, like, the whole, like, weird sex thing? No! (laughs) (laughs) I totally thought that's what they were talking about! I know that, but I thought you were talking about, like, where Baron had to come and do it. I thought you were talking about the, like, whole sex right thing. No, he has to, like, protect the border. (laughs) I didn't realize you were talking about the border. Uh, It's not even close to Calendar. Keep up with the time of year. How long is in the spring? It is winter solstice. Girl, I don't care. I don't pay attention. I don't know when that stuff happens. Girl. It just happened. (laughs) It happens at a point in the year. Anyways, Jill apparently doesn't care about timelines. No, it's not that I don't care about the timeline. It's that I can't keep it track. Like, okay. It's not that I don't care about the timeline. It is not that hard. It is that hard. It is for me. (laughs) Like, genuinely. Like, I know that things happen at Winter Solstice, but, like, I read about Cal and my three books ago. I don't remember what time of year that was. That's what I'm talking. I don't remember when that happened. Fine. I'll just continue with the Atlas holding up the order for you. Uh, I just, uh, like, I can't keep it straight. I've got too much going on in here. I can't keep it straight from three books ago. Especially not when I'm reading, like, another book at the same time. It's so hard. (laughs) That's true. You are in Throne of Glass and you read Iron Flame, so. (gasps) Okay, so, like, if we're going to go that route, technically we're in three fucking books right now. Do you have any idea how difficult that is for my brain? (laughs) No, because it doesn't hurt my brain at all. Oh, my God. It's so hard to keep (laughs) track They're all mushing together. Don't forget that I actively am reading three different books at the same time. I can't do that. That's the thing. Because not only are you reading three books at the same time and you're talking about a fourth one, you're talking about you are able to think about four different books. (laughs) I'm not. I cannot do that. To be honest, at least two of the books I'm reading don't require a lot of thought. Okay, that's fair. I'll give you that one. But everything that I am talking about and reading requires thought. 
It's difficult. That's true. When I read Throne of Glass, I wasn't reading anything else. So, I, but I, I was talking about Akatar and Fourth Wing with you. Well, you're just better at keeping shit organized in your brain than I am, because yeah. I haven't even picked for, uh, Throne of Glass back up. I've been trying to reread Iron Flame. Iron Flame. Yeah. Which is harder than I thought it was going to be. I just don't have time. I have a lot going on in my life. Well, it's ditto. Like, we both have a lot going on at this exact moment. But at the same time, like, I don't do a lot of rereads. Like, it's, I don't know why. It's hard for me. I do so, like, I reread all the time. No. Like, like I reread, I reread the entire, like, I just finished Aquavor. On a reread. I, I don't know how. Honestly, like the, just about the only things that I have reread like consistently. Or maybe even ever, unless like there was a specific reason for me to reread it is Harry Potter. I don't reread. See, I don't know. I love to I love a good reread. <laughs> it's not Maybe it's because I, I bet you I know what it is. I like to figure out what's happening in the book. I enjoy piecing it together and and making the puzzle fit and, and complete. I like that part. So it's also why I like Legos. <laughs> because what's the point in doing the Lego again? You built it already. But you can build something new. No. And to I will make the argument mm-hmm. with Iron Flame. There's probably things in there that you didn't necessarily pick up the first read through because you're focused on story. A thousand percent. I don't disagree with you at all. You are a hundred percent correct. That does not make it easier for me to reread it. Like I like that's the thing. That's I, I guess that's probably why it's taking me so long. To get through it is because, like, I've read the story and even when I have conversations with people, like, it has to be either a story I know so well that I know what's going to happen next. And it's like a comfort thing, like Harry Potter or like a movie that I put on a thousand times or I'm going to have to fucking think about it. And I just and, and I can't. I can't like shut my brain off, you know? Mm-hmm. I think this is just where like my collegiate time comes into play because like when analyzing a story, I think the minimum amount of times we would read things is three. That's once for the story, once for themes, once for anything else like I mean, to really pick up on nuance. It's totally fair. It's, completely fair. I am not arguing with you because like you and I have discussed like I miss shit all the time. I do. Mm -hmm. And it's not because I don't care. Like you know I love the story but Mm -hmm. it. Oh yeah. I just have like the hardest time going back and reread. I I really do. Like this is literally dawning on me as I'm speaking this so thank you all for enjoying me processing this out loud. (laughs) Yeah, I, I mean, to be fair, I'm only like nine chapters into my reread of Iron Flame, but I'm nine chapters in. Anyways, we could probably talk about that for yeah, forever, let's, let's but go let's back. get into okay. chapter seven of 
Frosted Starlight. So we're back to Rhysand's perspective. And it's the next day, and he is up at the Illyrian camp, but this time he is meeting with Azriel. And they're kind of talking about the dis, you know, the unrest that's in the camps. And they kind of are talking a little bit about like Illyrian culture and how it's not super conducive with peacetime. Yeah. <laughs> People get a little unruly if they don't get to kill anyone. <laughs> <laughs> and Reese really doesn't want to disband the armies just because the you know this is peace that they fought really hard for and it's you know it's kind of tenuous at best right now and then they both agree to not tell Cassian about the full extent of the problem which I think is me personally I, I don't How can he help fix it if they don't tell him what's going on? It's not that he's already doing as much as he possibly can to fix it. They are sparing his feelings here from learning that, like, it's not going well. That's all I saw it as. It's like, a, like I know he's trying so hard and I know he wants this to work. But it's not, so let's maybe not tell him. Because it's Christmas! That's what that was. I hate that, but okay. <laughs> like, I hate that reasoning, but okay. So, then they discuss the human queens. Because we know from the end of Wings and Ruin that they are all, they ditched the hybrid battle in Prithian. So, they're like and a went bunch back of assholes. To the, yeah, because... Fuck the human queens. They literally, like, sold Vasa to the death god. Like, fuck them. And so they're talking... Recent and, and Azrael are talking about them, and um, all of the super fun problems that they're going to create... And Reese is thinking about Vasa and how neither Helion nor himself were able to break her, quote, curse. Um, and it's not 100% confirmed, but I'm like 99% sure that this person that she is enslaved to is Kochi. But I don't think we have confirmation of that on page yet. Yes, Kochi is the third sibling to the bone carver and the weaver. Oh. Okay. Maybe yeah. I missed the name. I just, in my brain, he was unnamed third sibling. No, he has a name. It's Kochi. I'm pretty sure it's who has Vasa. In her super fun cursed state. So Azriel then suggests sending Lucian to go spy on the human queens. And uh, Reese is like, mm, actually, I kind of need him to like keep an eye on the spring court because he may be the only person who can get through to Tamlin. Maybe. We shall Maybe. see. We shall see. And then Az clearly has some issues with Lucian. Well, yeah, because we've discussed previously that Az is Elaine's mate. So, 
you know, he might have a problem with it. Yeah, and so he he clearly has some issues with Lucian and Elaine being mates and is intentionally avoiding him even with his shadows. Like, he is not going anywhere near Lucian. And it's interesting to me because there's definitely information probably to be gathered because Lucian's also interacting with Jurian a lot. There's probably some good insights to be made. Okay, but I'm not following what you mean. Like, what's the implication with Az then? Like, with the shadows. I'm confused. Doesn't want to be, like, following or interacting with Lucian because he doesn't want to see if Lucian actually has, like, feelings beyond the mating bond. Oh, I think that's exactly. But I think he knows that's the case, which is why he's not doing it. I don't think we've seen anything that shows that Lucian is acting beyond mating bond. He doesn't. To be fair, Lucian doesn't know anything about Elaine. Wait, okay. What do you mean by acting beyond the mating bond? Like, I guess I'm confused at what you're saying. There's going to be, like, the territorial, protective, bullshit, fey male stuff that happens because of the mating bond Uh that Feyre references all the time. Right. Have we seen Lucian do anything that couldn't be explained by that? Like, when he shows up at the end of Akawar after the battle and he finds Elaine... Is he is he searching for her because he's in love with her, or is he searching for her because he can tell through the bond that she's not okay? I mean, I guess that's dependent upon how you see how the or how you think the bond works. Yeah, but I'm just going based off of what we have on page, which is. Recent Feyre, we have a very good example of what that bond looks like. And then Reese's own parents, who were mates, but arguably not in love with each other. I didn't get the impression that his parents were mates, though. They are, in fact, mates. There's a whole story about it in uh, Mist and Fury. I must not remember it then, because I was under the impression that she just, like, up and left. Like, she just checked the box and was like, bye. Or am I confusing him with somebody else? I don't know who you're talking about. Oh, man. I think you're thinking about Iron Flame. Maybe. See? See? This is what I'm talking about. They all fucking melt You're thinking about a different Shadow Daddy, and that one is Zayden. Yeah, I am. I'm. Com- oh my god, I'm completely mixed. <laughs> See, <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. I can't. I can't. <laughs> so yeah, I think Az is afraid to see that Lucian has like other legitimate feelings beyond just the bond, and so he's just no touchy with Lucian. So then. Tamlin, then Reese talks about Tamlin being kind of complicated. And he thinks that Tamlin is still in love with Feyre. And yet the Spring Court is super important. 
to their peace efforts because it borders the human lands. And it's just complicated. Now, I will say this. At this point, I really don't think that Tamlin is still in love with Feyre. I don't either. I'm pretty sure that that, like, be happy Feyre when he reawokened Reese after Reese died at the end of Akawar was him letting go of his love. Oh, yeah. I, no, I'm a thousand percent agree. He's not in love with her. This is very much um, I'm uber depressed. I think he's just depressed. Yeah. He's super de- depressed because he's lost everything. He's pushed everyone out of his life. He doesn't have Lucian anymore. He doesn't have even like friendship with Feyre anymore. And like, it's kind of sad that Feyre was one of the people he was closest to, but she was, and she, she didn't really know anything about him. I mean, that's Tamlin kind of is what very you, isolated. That's what you get for being an asshole. So, hundred percent, you reap what you sow. Yeah, and he's he sowed some rotten seeds. Yeah, so he's getting a bad crop, but. I think we are also slowly getting set up for a Tamlin redemption arc. No. No. Yet no, stop that. I don't want that. Go away. <laughs> no. Just cuz you don't want it doesn't mean it's not going to happen. Stop it. Stop putting that shit in the universe. Anyways, so <laughs> Reason Azrael decide that after Solstice, they're gonna send Lucian to go hang out with Vasa and Jurian, and um, they're mildly concerned that Lucian will kill Grayson, but like, meh, who cares? Eh. They don't eh. seem. I mean, they don't care all that much because they sent him anyway. So. They do send him. So I do have a, another unhinged theory. Oh, Lord, here we go. As she finishes the, like, adult beverage. Yeah. Um, okay. I like, I like I said earlier, I actually just re-listened to Akawar. And very specifically, the thing that comes to mind is the scene when... Elaine goes back to Grayson and they're going to beg him and his father to harbor humans fleeing the, the fight, okay. the war. And when Grayson first comes in and sees her, he's mostly just shocked. He doesn't say anything. And then his father comes in and starts talking about the otherness and like how they knew right. that I, I don't remember how they explained that like they knew that she had turned bay and yeah I remember all of this stuff and that is the point in which Grayson rejects her is after his father has said something okay I think it's a non-zero possibility that Grayson may come back. I think that's a distinct possibility. It's definitely possible. And he might 
still love Elaine. That doesn't mean Elaine is still in love with him. I think that's going to be a, like, I don't think that that's out of the realm of possibilities by any means. I think it's, like, very plausible. It would throw a massive fucking monkey wrench into who Elaine picks. Not necessarily who her mate is, because, I mean, we've already discussed that Lucian is at least one of them. I still maintain that Az might be the other. But, you know, still, like, that'll throw a big old monkey wrench in it. Yeah. I, I just think that it's, it's, a, it's a possibility. It could freaking happen. Yeah. It could happen. <sighs> so, yes. And then um, they also just touch on the fact that, like, Nobody has any idea where the fuck Bray Axis went after the battle. They also don't seem to, like, be all that concerned about it either, so. I feel like they should be concerned, and I, after re-listening to Akwar, am very concerned about the bargain Feyre made with him. I told you. It's, like, it was such a bad idea. not specific. I told you! I told you! That's, like, the worst you- fucking problem with, the, like, making bargains like that. It's terrible. It's a bad idea fucking bad. It was bad. It was a really bad really bad freaking bargain mm-hmm. and it's gonna come bite it's gonna come bite their ass. Yeah it is. 100% it's gonna come bite them in the ass because I'm pretty sure the way that it was phrased he's gonna lay claim to maybe the Archeron sisters or maybe some other people. Well won't be surprised. We might find out more sooner than later. I don't know. We'll see. We will see. see. So that brings us to chapter eight, which is from Rebecca to Cassian's point of view, which is very exciting. And there's a really bad storm coming. And so Cassian is going to give the girls a day off to help. And he's postponing everyone's training because this storm is going to be that bad. And so he finds himself in like a small shopping district of the camp. And he notices that a bunch of the stores all are like sold out except for one, which is pretty well stocked with like winter gear and things. So he goes inside and he finds that the shop is being run by this female Illyrian who inherited her shop from her father who passed away during the war. And this is our very first meeting of a new character named Emery. Yay. I was excited to meet her. She seemed cool. She seems really cool. So then Cassian decides he's going to buy out all of her goods. And he asks her to deliver them to the families that need it the most, but to not advertise that the items have come from him. So it's a little little Santa moment for Cassian. Little secret Santa. Mm. Um, and uh, he thinks that... Uh, oh, and he tells her to say that the gifts are from Reese, not from him. Because he thinks it'll get better received that way. I don't know why it would matter, but whatever. I think we have to keep, continue to remember that even in even though he's one of the most powerful Illyrians to ever live, I mean, it's him and Az are kind of neck and neck of who's more powerful. I think Az might technically take it out because he is also a shadow singer. But, you know, there's arguments to be made that Cassian is one of the most 
powerful Illyrians alive. And even with that being said, he's an outcast in their society. He was a bastard born son. His mother was, you know, not somebody who had a lot of respect or came from a respectable family. It seems she was murdered um, for really no apparent reason. And he remember, you know, from, from earlier days in the series, he uh, was homeless until Reese showed up. He like had to sleep in the snow. I guess I forget because that he part. Was a bastard, I, but he it, was a bastard. But in my son. brain, it's also very much like if somebody's giving you something because you need it, out of like the goodness of their heart, like you would accept it. But I forget that not everybody's like that. So yeah, people. I forget that there's a lot of prideful people in this society, whether it's on page or in reality. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that brings us to I just kind of combined chapter 9 and 10 because nothing happened and it's Farah. Yeah, Farah basically started painting and has begun the healing process. That's Good really all that happened. Yeah, she joins Resinia's art class or goes to, but then she chickens out and then uh, goes in the middle of the night. Yeah, she well, she sneaks into the closed art studio. Mm-hmm. She breaks herself in, and then she paints how she appeared in the Ouroboros mirror. Yeah, and mm-hmm. but it, you should just keep thoughts about mirrors in your head. <clears throat> I just, I don't I like. Okay, good for her. To me, like we talked about this before. This is so, like, off-page shit for me. Like, I don't necessarily need to know this. Like, great. You started painting. Phenomenal. Like, if I don't get to see a picture of whatever it is you saw in the mirror, I don't care. (laughs) Fair. Fair. So that brings us to chapter 11 with Reese. Back to Reese. And he is actually uh, on his way to the spring court to go check on Tamlin. And Tamlin is not doing well. Tamlin must be a tampon at the moment then. Yeah. So Reese gets to the manor and there's no wards whatsoever. Anybody or anything can just waltz right in. And... uh, Unfortunately, Fair is very good at manipulating. She did a really good job at the beginning of Akawar. And the Spring Court is in shambles. They're still pretty anti-Tamlin. And everything is just kind of bad. Can I be an asshole for a second? I don't feel bad. Absolutely. I don't feel bad for him. I don't. I think... I don't feel bad for Tamlin. I think it was strategically a really dumb thing that Farah did. Ah, uh, yeah. Ar- it was really satisfying to read. Arguably, that could have been done better or more strategically, for sure. But, like, Reese let her go and fucking do it as well. He gave the blessing, so... Like he, I'm have a this is the really hot take. Like he's the five hundred year old dude plus however fucking old he is. Like you should know better. Go ahead. I have a really hot take. Let's hear it. 
Reese is an enabler for Feyre. Well, yeah. I don't think that's a hot take. I think that's an accurate take. And yeah, he enables her even if she is 100% dead wrong because he's in love with her and she's his mate. And so he, he just doesn't. But like he got the, the he got everybody else to sign off on it, too. Oh, the, he got the, them to sign off on her being a spy, not with her like dismantling the south, the spring court from the inside. But like, what did they think she was going to do? Pass information about Highburn. Uh, see, I don't, I don't... Back from our two-minute intermission where Jill's computer fell asleep as she was talking, and it booted her out of literally everything. I'm sorry. I don't know what happened. It, like, but I, I tried to stop it, and as I moved the mouse, it went blank. So... You gotta roll uh, your mouse, man. And as such, I don't remember what the fuck I was saying or what we were talking about, so... <laughs> talking about Feyre dismantling the spring court from the inside and whether the inner circle knew that that was the plan or if she was just supposed to be passing information and I think that they kind of knew that that was probably going to be the plan. I just don't... I, whether they not they knew it, I still think it was a bad idea on Ferris' oh, part. Agreed. Like, not that I, like, give a shit about Tamlin or the Spring Court, but, like, strategically, if you're supposed to be playing 4D chess, she played checkers for a minute. Oh, yeah. I agree with you. It was a terrible decision. Like, I, I thought it was a dumb idea, and I didn't understand why they were doing it, because they were going to need him later. But they didn't... They didn't do that, obviously, but whatever. I, no. I, yeah. I don't think that anyone thought that was a great idea, but that was, I don't know. It's almost like that was the only choice they had. No, it was not the only choice they had. I feel like Feyre thinks that. Feyre thinks that. I think Feyre during Akawar realizes that she made a mistake, but she's like, meh, I don't really give a shit because fuck Tamlin. True. I agree with that. Like, because it was, it was a massive fucking mistake. It was a huge mistake. Mm-hmm. But it was fun to do. So, she didn't yeah. care. So, Reese goes down into the kitchens and that's where he finds Tamlin and he finds out that Lucian is there and he is out hunting for their dinner. And Reese says he's going to be sending some people from the night court to help monitor the border and Tamlin is just a douche canoe about everything. Um, but it's not like he has people to do that shit for him. So he's just got to let it happen. Reese isn't on board with having to deal with Tamlin because he and Tamlin have just so much bad blood between them at this point. Yeah. Between Reese's mom and Tamlin's family and Feyre. Like, there's just not a lot of common ground. No. Um, and... Tamlin calls the Night Court Ilks and Reese a brute. And Reese isn't a brute by any means. He's very calculated, but he does. I would never classify Reese as a brute. No. I don't understand what, like, the insult with Ilk is. Maybe I just don't know the correct usage 
or like definition of the word. So I think he's meaning elk, meaning like they're beneath him. Like they're just rabble. Maybe I need to reread this sentence because I vaguely remember like your ilk, like your kind, your your people. That's how I took it. Mm. Yeah, I definitely took it as like you guys are like less than peasants. Maybe. Maybe. In comparison to like lung blonde haired Tammy Tam. <laughs> and you know, Tamlin's just miserable. And he's just not taking care of himself. He needs, like, a good self-care day. Tamlin needs more than a good self-care day. Tamlin needs some medication and a lot of therapy. Tamlin needs therapy. Uh, Yeah, medication and therapy. There's no therapy in Prithian, unfortunately. So, you know, maybe he can go hang out in his, you know, lake full of starlight and go from there. Maybe. Maybe. So even though Reese, you know, goes kind of in on Tamlin, for once, Tamlin actually kind of controls his anger and doesn't immediately, like, go into beast mode. I don't think that that's because Tamlin's controlling his behavior. I think that's because Tamlin's uber depressed and has no fight left in him. That's what I think. That is a fair take. So... There's a theory. I don't know if I really prescribe to it, but there is a theory that Tamlin was never properly taught how to handle his power. And he does not do the thing that Reese does. So Reese is described as on occasion just kind of siphoning off a little poof of power. Because if you don't, all of that power will literally drive you mad. So there's people who are saying that because Tamlin never learned how to do these like small releases of power, he actually has literally been slowly going mad. It's not a bad idea. It's not a terrible... I don't know if I 100% believe it because I don't think Tamlin is as powerful as Reese. So I don't know if he needs it the way that Reese does. I would agree because I vaguely remember them saying, like, everyone's power is kind of, like, dwindled. Correct? Like, over the generations. No, that was only because Amarantha stole some of their power. Oh, um, okay. But during Akawar, when they're at the High Lord meeting, Feyre notes that, like, it's not just that, like, Reese is a little bit more powerful than all of them. He's, like, dramatically, like, orders of magnitude more powerful than the other High Lords. Okay. Maybe then a dumb question, because I guess I didn't like I knew he was more powerful, but like I'm not reading it like the way you're describing it. So then what's the fucking problem? Then just make them do what you want them to. If you're that much powerful than everybody else, why are we having this problem? Because it is. I mean, if God is all powerful, why would he allow humans to have free will? Listen, no, we're not going down that rabbit hole because that is all. 
a so layered and nuanced and touchy subject like i i can't no like it's not the same thing we can't go there no i mean it's the same general concept we cannot go down that road but it to me the reasons why reese does not just mind control everyone is because he's trying to be a good person i and he knows that like that's not the right way to go about this and that he can be 17 steps ahead on the planning and have the outcomes that he wants for the most part. Not 100% of the time. Grease doesn't always get it right, but he tries and he's gotten better over the years. And so I'm not saying yeah, I think I'm not saying manipulate I, everybody, but I'm saying like you I just like he's not going to control everyone with his massive amount of power because there's a moment that's coming up with Amarin, that we'll have to that we'll have to come back to this conversation. Whatever. Anyways, <laughs> <laughs> um, Reese then goes back to Polaris. Melissa, right there. <laughs> Reese then goes back to Polaris after you know that lovely chat with Tammy Tam. And finds Feyre out doing some shopping, as she should be. And she um, can instantly tell that the visit with Tamla did not go great. And he tells her what happened and she kind of feels bad. And then he goes to finish off some of his own errands. And he goes and gets Amron some jewelry. And he doesn't quite like any of the jewelry for Feyre. So we don't we don't quite know yet what Reese is going to get Feyre for winter solstice. <laughs> oh god, I just don't care what he got her for winter solstice. I don't. That's fine. Um, that is totally fine to not care. I don't 100% care. We do find out though. Uh, apparently Jill's throwing things around what? now in in her office and just creating was... all kinds of havoc. Do you want to know what it was? Of course I do. It was the mirror of Arisette. <laughs> Why are we dropping the mirror of Arisette? I didn't drop it. It just like got knocked over because I showed you. I can't remember if this was on the Melon Jill digress. Wait, what? Because you have ghosties in your office. I do have ghosties in my office, but I can't remember if I said that I got the Mirror of Arisette on the Melon Jill digress episode or if I said it on this one. So You said it on this one. Was it this one? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I dropped it. I didn't drop it. I (laughs) dipped over. As long as it didn't break. That's all that really matters. No, it didn't. It didn't break. It's it's smaller than I would like it to be. Let's just put it that way. Oh, boo. You didn't buy the gigantic one. Well, they didn't have it on the dollar page. So, no. Sorry. Sorry. Mm. (laughs) So, that is where we're going to leave you is at chapter 12 and 13 12 and 13 so um, uh, any any thoughts on this chunk that we got through like s- six more chapters 
I don't even know where to start. Like, honestly, it's maybe it's because I dislike it that, that we're talking about this much. <laughs> it's not my fault that there's actually things to talk about but in this book, thing, even though you hate it. I don't think there's things to talk about. I think you can sum it, this up in, like, a 15-minute summary. We have spent two hours <laughs> talking have. about... Like, 11 chapters of this book. No, it hasn't been two hours. It's been one hour. The first hour, we talked about absolutely nothing related to this book and decided to cut it and put it into a different episode. I mean, the first part of of Frost and Starlight and this part of Frost and Starlight. That is two hours. Okay. Yes, I in fact know how to do math. Fair. Okay. I thought you were discussing this evening. Fair. Agreed. You did math better than I did. Okay. Still maintain that you could give a 15 minute summary of this book. Then why? What do you mean why? Because like... Are we talking about it for... At least three hours now. Because I can talk about anything for three hours with you. That's why. Okay. That's why. Because you know, because like, okay, I'm not, listen, SJM, I'm a big fan. I really am. Like, to the point where Melissa and I have had discussions about very popular books right now that I do not prefer to yours. So, um, I... Just, like, I get it. I get it that it's the Hallmark movie. I understand that it gives you backstory. However, you don't need it. You can absolutely fucking... Like, I I understand that we are reading this book, but I'm gonna state my opinion here. You can skip over this book and still absolutely fucking understand what is happening in this series. And, like, I get it. It's Christmas. What's the, what, what, how do they say it? Christmas, 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 those funky little things I say on TikTok, whatever. Like, I get it. It's just, I don't know. I don't necessarily need to know that Favor started painting again. I, you can say Favor started painting again. I don't need to have the whole thing. I don't need to have the entire process of her breaking into the building that she bought and painting. She hasn't bought it yet. I okay. I know she hasn't bought it yet. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just saying that it comes off as just this Hallmark movie, good old time, and then you actually dive into it, and there's a lot more substance there than you originally realized. But see, I disagree. Then why are we going to have at least three hours of podcast episodes about it? I just told you why, because I can talk to you about anything for three hours. It's not my fault I keep bringing up good points you have things to say about that are directly off of the ones being put on the page. And we haven't even gotten to my unhinged theory that like we can't even fully talk about. I'm just, we haven't even gotten to that yet, where I'm going to go crazy. But you can get there. Like, you don't... But I guess that's my argument. You don't have to have this book to get there. 
I'm gonna so dissent on that opinion because I'm absolutely 100% 1 trillion billion jillion percent confident something incredibly 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 vital is talked about in this book as it pertains to the long-term effects of what's going on in Prithian. Okay. I'll give you that one. There is probably something in this book that is super important later, which is why you technically cannot skip this book. I, I'm not saying don't read the book. I'm not. I just don't care for it. I just feel like it's like, nah. I could read the Sparks notes and still get it. That's what I'm saying. There's too much detail in everything else. There's too much more character development and plot, like, manipulation in the other books than, than what happens in this book. It's just, a, it feels like a fucking filler episode where you're just, like, getting pockets of information. And I understand what you just said, that something will probably be very important later, but it's still a fucking Hallmark movie, and I hate them. Well, I'm going to make you suffer through at minimum one more episode with me as we talk about <laughs> this book. <laughs> Because we haven't finished it yet. I know we haven't finished it yet. And just so everybody is, like, not misunderstanding me here, I don't hate this book. I don't. I'm sure I sound like I hate this book. I don't hate this book. I just don't find it nearly as, like, entertaining or engaging as the other books. That's all I'm saying. Like, I think you're just really anxious for Silver Flame. No. Mm-mm. Because... Okay, uh, yeah, I do want to talk about Silver Flame, but I disagree with you that I'm anxious for it because I didn't like it when I read it, Melissa. <laughs> you didn't like... You liked Silver Flame no, when you Frost read it. No, Frost and Starlight. Oh. I think you're just... You're like, because you didn't like it when you read it and now this is dragged on for three episodes and you thought we were going to get to do it in <laughs> one... You're annoyed because all you want to do is talk about Silver Flame. I mean, that might be a smidge of it, but still. Smidge? Still. Just saying. Smidge? Like, I just don't see, I just don't see the substance. I just don't, like, it's just, I'm... I'm going to need you to listen to all of the stuff we just talked about. <laughs> I'm going to need you to tell me there was nothing important in all of that info. I don't know how to explain how this feels, but like part of me is like, yeah, we talked about it, but yeah, it's not important. <laughs> when the next book comes out and at like 17 of my uh, like off the cuff you told me I was crazy theories come true I didn't say you were crazy you, you, you know where I got that freaking theory from oh yeah Frost and Starlight <laughs> listen you just have wait. my just full, wait 
You have my full permission to have a massive I told you so moment, okay? Like I'm gonna take it. I'm gonna do like it. air horn. <laughs> I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna literally get an air horn and like fly to where you are and just stand outside your house and like let it off. <laughs> just <laughs> Because I will need the vindication because I'm so confident that as much as you dislike the premise of this book, that there that that, that is why this book was so difficult. Like, I went into thinking, oh, this is gonna be a happy fun times book. We're just gonna go Christmas shopping, there's gonna be hot cocoa, we're gonna be snuggly. It's gonna take me like four hours to read. It took me like a week to read this book because like a it's a lot sadder than than all of that would lead you to believe and b there's a lot more in this than i thought that there was going to be it's just everybody fucking being either uber depressy showing signs of ptsd or beginning to their healing journey like, I don't need to read all that. Like, that shit can happen off page and you can give me the Cliff Notes version and Silver Flames. I think you and I are just going to have to agree to disagree until I am inevitably proven correct. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I hope you're right. I hope you're right, and I hope I'm wrong, and you can totally have your I told you so moment. You go right ahead. I think when I am proven right, when, when I am proven right, I'm going to have to have us, like, post me with my air horn <laughs> telling you I told you so. Okay. I told you so. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. Um, this is the hill I'm gonna die on. That there's important stuff in Frost and Starlight. I didn't say there wasn't like important things. There are things that you can learn from Frost and Starlight, but I think that they could have been conveyed to the readers without the novella. That's all I'm saying. I think SJM did us a, did us gave us all a little gift of a reprieve after the literal insanity. No, I want to go right into the insanity of the next book. I don't want the reprieve. No, thank you. I want to finish the story. I don't want the reprieve. This is all bullshit. This fake, oh, this fake piece bullshit that is happening right now is not real. Let's move on and finish the fucking war. Let's, no, this isn't real. It's not, it's like the piece isn't real. We all know it's moving forward. This is bullshit. It's a fucking pause in the story. It's not sustainable. It's not real. It's fucking Hallmark. I'm sorry. Like it is. It's Hallmark. It's not realistic. It doesn't exist. At minimum, we're very passionate about how we feel about this book. Listen, okay, I'm gonna die on this hill right here. Hallmark Christmas movies are shit, okay? Oh, no one has ever said 
Is it like a Hallmark Christmas movie is arguably good? Are they yes, entertaining? They have. Well, I am not one of them. Okay, but you just said something that I'm going to fundamentally disagree with. They're not entertaining, Melissa. That falls in the same to category. They're entertaining, not entertaining equals good. Entertaining you. equals good. <laughs> <laughs> They're not entertaining to you. I find them incredibly entertaining. I love the terrible. I think it's so bad it's good. Like, yes, please Please give me a Christmas ghost where this woman has this (laughs) Civil War man show up in her house and he's literally a ghost and she has to help solve why he died so he can like move on to the afterlife. Is this a real movie you're talking about? Yes. No. Yes, the Christmas ghost is in fact a real Hallmark or I don't know, crappy Christmas movie. And that is he becomes a real boy, not a boy, but like a real man again, and they live happily ever after together. So it's he a He was pin- a ghost. So it's a ghost Pinocchio. Ghost Scooby Doo mystery. <laughs> Turns back and becomes alive again, reincarnation, but like right back into his other body. You're not selling not like this. The, not like the decomposing one, but like, like his ghost becomes corporal. Again, not selling this. It, I'm not. Tra- I'm trying to tell you that like this is like if there was a mystery science theater, but for bad Christmas movies. I would be on that show and I would just eat it up. Do you want to know eat it a up. show that I think you and I would be phenomenal on? Like, hmm. absolutely hysterical. What? In the US, it's called The People's Couch, which I don't think it's on the air anymore. But around the world they call it goggle box and it's fucking hysterical it's so funny and it's oh my god it's so entertaining to me to watch normal people have the same conversations that i have with my friends and my husband while i'm watching television show it makes me feel so good. I'm like, oh my god, I'm not the only person who has these conversations. <laughs> we would be very entertaining. Oh yeah, on that show. Oh yeah. Oh my god, I love it. They're so funny. And then like, I got super like, I go down the rabbit of like UK and Australian TV, like reality TV shows. Oh my god, Gogglebox is great. They're so funny. The British version has this, like, older couple, and they're so quirky and hilarious. I cannot remember their names, but they're so funny. They're little, like, they have their little tea and their little, like, very cottagey background. It's amazing. (laughs) (laughs) They're, They're, she's sassy, too. She's sassy. As she should be. Oh, yeah. That's great. I want to say his name's Nigel, which makes it even better. So, I mean, I don't I, it's, it's a quite British name. That is for sure. 
It is. It is. Another good British UK show that I really, reality TV show that I like to watch is um, First Dates. It's great. I've seen clips of that. I got it. It looks really good. It's so fucking cute. I love it. It really, like, okay, so for those who don't know, they literally, like, there's a restaurant in London, and I was very excited because when we went to London right before Mark and I got married, we got to, like, walk by the restaurant. It's in, like, downtown London. Um, and it was closed because it was, like, really late at night when we walked by. But they film there, and couples going in and like having their first date like they meet you know they film the whole thing the staff is typically the same so you kind of get to like see the repeats of everybody but it's very funny to watch first dates and you're it's fascinating where you can like watch people have chemistry instantly or you're like oh this is terrible this is going awfully um and then they'll even when the like people go into the bathrooms like obviously they're not like filming them pee or anything but people will like call their mom or their friend or like women typically will be like oh yeah he's so cute or whatever they'll like give a little update and then the guys at the table and vice versa it's it's cute um but it's so fun to watch and then like they'll give updates every now and then and there's been a few people who've gotten married who've had kids and it's like it's so fucking cute and they don't just do young people you know how like a lot of reality shows will like stick with like an age like genre mm-hmm. they're all ages all ages mm-hmm. they'll have like young like teens like te- late teens early adulthood mid to late 20s 30s and then they'll even have like people in like senior years like golden ages like 60s 70s mm-hmm. is fucking great and people you know the people who apply to reality shows are just like characters anyway so they're all like Mm -hmm. great personalities it's so fun to watch yeah i've only seen like clips of it on the internet but i they always looked really fun it's cute i don't remember how we got on this tangent uh because you and i are pros at tangenting yeah definitely Pros, but uh, I think that is a great segue into uh, going ahead and concluding this awesome episode. Uh, so, if you uh, want to find out what's coming up next on Melon Jill Geek Out, be sure to go follow us over on Instagram. That is Melon Jill Geek Out at oh, just Melon Jill Geek Out. No at after that. That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Sorry, it is quite late at night here and it is almost Mel's bedtime. Um, And if you have any suggestions of what we should geek out about next, be sure to go and shoot us an email over at jillandmelgeekout at gmail.com. Again, my name is Melissa. And I'm Jill. But also, you can DM us and tell Melissa that she's wrong. That works too. So No one is ever going to (laughs) tell me that I'm wrong. I'm just teasing. She's not wrong. I'm not wrong. On a very rare occasion. (laughs) Not about this book. Yes, she is. We're just going to have to agree to disagree. Agree to disagree. I'll leave it at that. Y'all have a good day. Agree to disagree. I can't promise that next episode won't have the exact same.
<laughs> no, I'll keep my opinions to myself. We'll get through. The, we'll 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 get through the book. Yeah, if, if you know, if there was less interesting things to talk about, we would already be done with this. Listen, I won't go on my rant next time, and I'll just keep my opinions to myself. I like how sure. you put your your finger on your nails. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Anyways, yes, thank you all so much for listening, and we hope you have a great night. Good night, guys. Bye.